Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself. But even better, they've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information, all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Jill on Money show. It is Thursday, September 15th. And I, as you listen to this, am on my way up to the big cycle for the cause ride. And thank you so much to everybody who has donated. We really do appreciate that. So grateful for the community. I think every time I get a five or a 10 or a $15 donation, it's as important to me coming from you all as it is to get a big chunk of money from some fat cat who I know from a past life. So thanks for everything. And if you're a fat cat, feel free to give also. That would be wonderful. Uh, If you've got a financial question, all you need to do is go to our website, jillonmoney.com and click the contact us button to let us know if you would be willing to come on the air. However, because I have taken so much time off, Mark and I took a nice chunk of time off in August, we have built up a huge number of emails. So I'm going to try to do a couple of email episodes and hopefully that will break through this huge log jam that we have. So let's do it, okay? And I love the emails also, but remember, we really do need as much detail as you can provide when you send us an email, right? Okay, fabulous. Here we go. Let's start with Eric, who says, Hello, Jill and Mark. I love the show and listen every weekday. What about on the weekends? We have weekend shows also. Okay, I'm writing to get your opinions on using money from a brokerage account. I'm 40 years old and I currently make just over $80,000 per year. I max out my Roth IRA every year, contribute 5% with equal company match to my Roth 401k annually and contribute about $2,000 per year to my HSA. I've got an emergency fund and a, what he calls a, an eventual expense fund and a fund money savings account. These are all good. I like these different ways of siloing your cash. Okay, Eric goes on and says, I recently opened a brokerage account with Fidelity, which is also the same place where he has his Roth IRA. And he's been putting a little money every month in there after maxing out the Roth earlier in the summer. And he writes, I understand the value of having money grow through a market index fund. And that's how I'm invested. But I'd like your opinion 
on what you would suggest I would pull money out for from the brokerage account. That's so funny. Um, You don't really need a reason. Eric goes on, he says, I'm strict about having rules for what my different savings vehicles could be spent on. I haven't quite figured out how I will use the brokerage account and whether I should incur the tax associated with using that money. Any insight or personal opinions would be greatly appreciated. Great to have you both back in the studio. Sorry about your mother-in-law. Thanks, Eric. Well, look, I think a supplemental account could be used for a lot of different things. When it's an investment account, I think of that more as intermediate to longer-term money. So one way to think about it is maybe you would need it because you were purchasing a home. And in that case, you would pay the tax that's due. Maybe it's um, five or eight or 10 years from now and you're ready to do something different in your life. Maybe this is financing a new business, or maybe this is a way for you to save money in the future and be able to make different choices before you fully retire. You've heard so many people call the program and ask about making changes or figuring out retirement options. And this is one of those cases where we talk about having a brokerage account and how it can facilitate a lot of different choices in your life. So I would use it for that kind of a thing, Um, not for, you know, necessarily a huge trip, but yeah, it should be probably something significant. That's what I think. Okay, Heidi writes that she has been investing with Edward Jones for three or four years. And she writes, I finally reached my goal of $100,000 about six months ago. Now she's upset. She's lost money. She only has 94 in her account and she wants to invest somewhere else. She has no idea where. She says, I'm 60 years old. I've got no other retirement and I'm still raising a child. Okay. (sighs) Breathe, Heidi. Because, you know, having these arbitrary amounts, 100,000, a million, whatever it is that you've created, may not be very helpful. And I'm not saying that Edward Jones is the perfect place for you, but if you've been investing and someone's been helping you and the market then slid and that's why your value went down, that's understandable. I really want to understand more about your situation before telling you to pull the trigger and go someplace else. There's a zillion other places to go, but are you getting financial advice? Are you in funds that were aggressive because you instructed the person to be aggressive for you? All of these factors come into play in making your next decision. So can you get back in touch with us? I really would like to know a little bit more about your situation. Okay, good. Next up, of course, a retirement question because everyone has retirement questions. Paul's subject line is, do we have enough for my wife to retire at 62? She is currently 57. I love those subject lines. It's sort of our mid-sentence almost. It's kind of like how my mother calls me, mid-sentence. She's sort of in the middle of a conversation and sort of as if I were talking to her and she just starts talking. So Paul, let me hear more about Paul. Paul says, my 401k assets are worth $1.5 million um, and he's got about $100,000 in Roth. I am retired at age 62. I plan to claim Social Security at age 67, and it will be about $2,900 a month. My wife has close to $1.2 million in her 401k. Wow, I got a lot of moolah. $70,000 is Roth. If she were to claim Social Security at 67, it would also be about $2,900 a month. 
they have, you guys have to put um, commas in. I can barely read this. 400000 400, $400,000 in cash for emergency and travel. And they've got a home worth a half a million dollars with no mortgage. Wow. That's a lot of money. Okay. He's going to go on Medicare at 65. We would need to bridge my wife uh, with health care until she turns 65. I will have to take distribution soon from my 401k to cover expenses on top of my wife's salary. She saves 20% in her 401k presently. We are both invested 50-50 stocks. We need about $100,000 after taxes to support our lifestyle, and that does not include health care expenses. So let's think about this math, gang. Um, so if they're getting, uh, they're going to have $2,900 a month, right, times two, First of all, let me just be clear that she does not need to actually contribute any more money into her retirement account. That's fine. We've got $2,900 coming in or $5,800 a month. We need, uh, you said 100 without healthcare. Let's call it, I think you guys need, you probably need like 10 grand a month because the healthcare surprisingly is more expensive than you think. Not just your until you get on Medicare, but I mean, Healthcare as a need overall in retirement. You're going to spend a bunch of money. Sorry. So you have 1.5 million. I'm just looking here. She's got 1.2. And then let's say that out of your 400, you could play with, not play with, but access 200. So 3 million, 30, 69. I think you can do it. I think you can do it. Now, here's the thing. What I believe is that in order to get this tidied up, I'd need to know a tiny bit more. But I think just given the facts as you lay them out, which I think are pretty clear, as long as, you know, as long as she can keep working and maybe don't put any money into her 401k so that she has more of, she, I would like her to have as much cash flow as possible so that you can reduce the amount of money that's coming out of your retirement assets. That's what I'd really hope. And maybe she could work a little bit longer. That would be even better because, you know, Jimmy writes all Roth all the time. And he says, hi, I just started listening to your program maybe a month ago. And I've already subscribed to the podcast and the YouTube channel. So more often than not, I hear Jill and Mark recommend Roth 401k, whether the person's in 12, 24, 32. What are your guidelines when deciding between a traditional or Roth 401k? When are traditional 401ks, traditional assets more appropriate? You know, it's not always. It's just sometimes, even when you're in a high tax bracket, yeah, even the 32. I'm not saying that I would do it at, you know, the 37. But I think that even when you're at the 32, the reason it's good to have some Roth assets is that we want to minimize the amount of money you're forced to pull out of your retirement account in the future. And those required minimum distributions are the aspects of the planning process that are unknown and can throw your whole tax situation off. So it's not always, it's a definite at 24. It's a maybe at 32, depending on whatever else is going on in your life, Jimmy. So give us a holler and we'd love to, I'd love to hear more about you and we'll get you on the air. How about that? Okay. This is from um, Moira, who says, Hi, Jill and Mark. Love the show. I've been listening for the last couple of years. My husband retired from the police after 25 years of service. 
And he currently has about a half a million dollars in his Section 457 plan. Um, And he is not going to touch that until after he turns 62. He's 51 now. He is currently entitled to a pension of $6,000. And after taxes, we receive $5,100 each month. He started a new job last year where he is in a municipal retirement fund with a pension and a 401k equivalent. And we are thinking of maxing out the 401k this year and going forward since he's over the age of 50. Is there any advantage to also adding contributions to his retirement fund or instead of additional contributions, use the money to add to our brokerage accounts? If he retires from the new job at at age 62, it's estimated we will get $400 a month from his second pension. By the way, the current jobs retirement plan has a rate of return of about 7.5%. She says, but that's interesting. I wonder if that's a guarantee, because if that's a guarantee, I'm interested, very interested. She's 49. She earns 200 grand. She expects a big bonus in December, maybe 125 or 150 grand. Here's the other info. They've got some houses here. The primary residence paid off is worth 450. They have a vacation home um, that's worth a half a million dollars with a $200,000 mortgage. They've got a bunch of money in retirement, $1.2 million, a brokerage account with about $65,000. They've got a couple of kids in college. They do have enough money in their 529s to cover the college costs. They've got all their estate planning in place, but they, she says we're going to update it. They're going to work full-time until age 62. And then she says, I plan to continue working part-time after 62 as my job can be done remotely and I need to stay busy. <laughs> That's good. Okay, what do I think about putting money into this retirement? Here's the thing, you've got a lot of retirement assets. Even though I like this rate of return of 7.5%, I'm very much drawn to that, but you have money, you've got a pension, and you don't have that much money in non-retirement assets. So I think for now, I would probably think about one of two possibilities. One is, he could put money into his retirement fund. Again, I'm presuming that's a 7.5% guarantee. If that's a 7.5% guarantee, I'd be rocking and rolling and be excited about that. And I would do that. And I'm wondering for you what your job uh, 401k looks like. Because maybe I would rather him put money in at a 7.5% guarantee and have you put some of your money instead of you maxing out Maybe I'd have you put money into the brokerage account. I'd like you guys to have some brokerage account money available to you before you reach that age 62. It's going to help you out a lot. Okay. All right. This looks like a, uh, the last question of the day. Thanks, Mark. Dawn says, hi, Jill and Mark. I have a question about individual stocks. In 2014, I wanted to experiment with buying stocks. I started small with five shares of Google and five shares of Amazon. (laughs) Great. Then I branched out to Alibaba and Baidu. I had some ups and downs, but it wasn't a lot of money, so it was fine. Then 2020 hit, the stock market went crazy, and so did I. I was buying stocks not because I knew about the company, but because they sounded like winners. Some might call this gambling rather than investing. My portfolio exploded. She means on the upside, not the downside. 
and I thought it could never end. Well, it did end, and now I have a portfolio of losers, a couple of winners, and a lot of losers. When do I say enough and take the loss? Should I sell it all at once or over the next couple of years, or should I ride it out? Keep up the great work. Thanks, Dawn. Okay, so I'm the, I don't know how much money we're talking about, but I am inclined to clean this up. And what I would do is I would start by saying, and this is how you really think about tax loss harvesting. You tally up how much you've lost, you tally up how much you've made in each of these positions. And if the losses are more than the gains, what you need to know is that you get to take $3,000 of losses against ordinary income. So if you've lost more than $3,000 this year, after you've done the winners and you've lost 3,000, you can actually use that as a deduction on your tax returns. And if you have more than $3,000, you can carry that loss forward. But generally speaking, I'm the kind of person who's like, get rid of everything, move on, go and find yourself some nice index funds. And I think that you will be quite happy that you did, truly, okay? So that is it. That is our program for Thursday. We so appreciate you listening to us. If you have a financial question, all you need to do is go to jillonmoney.com, click the Contact Us button, and let us know if you would be willing to come on the air live. Mark does everything else because that's how he is. He's the best. You can do so much on our website. You can sign up for our free weekly newsletter. You can subscribe to our other broadcasts or our YouTube channel, and you can also purchase the book. Well, I mean, you can purchase it. You can pre-order it is what I mean. So I would love it if you're interested. You can pre-order The Great Money Reset, Change Your Work, Change Your Wealth, Change Your Life. Check it out. 10 Bold Steps to Turn Chaos into Opportunity. It is available right now on the JillOnMoney.com website. Thank you so much for listening today. Try to lift someone up. Grit, growth, grace. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Do you know a high schooler who is a natural leader and loves to give back to their community? The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Student Visionaries of the Year program might be the perfect opportunity. Forming strong teams to support them, Student Visionaries of the Year candidates fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This seven-week philanthropic leadership development program helps students gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Not to mention, it looks great on college applications. But most importantly, it's a chance for students to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or nominate a student at lls.org students. That's lls.org students.